Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Canadian Gothic, a series by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Canadian Gothic, a weekly nighttime podcast series in which Madeleine Klein and I discuss some of Canada's darkest moments. In tonight's episode, we find ourselves still knee-deep in the muck we got stuck in last week. If you recall that discussion, we learned about a 24-year-old Brantford, Ontario woman who'd been arrested on a collection of charges related to allegations she had been conning doulas into caring for her during non-existent pregnancies and their imagined complications. Well, as you're soon going to hear, we've learned a lot of new details about Caitlin Braun's alleged crimes since that episode. And the story, it only gets weirder and more disturbing. In a moment, Madeleine Klein and I will get you caught up on what we know, and also share some updates to the story of the 16-year-old gunman who recently killed two police officers in Edmonton. So yeah, this one's gonna get ugly. Let's get started. Well, if it isn't Miss Madeleine Klein, how are you doing tonight, Madeleine? I'm great. I'm yeah. just hanging out. And yeah. with, how about you? Your, I'm hanging out as well. I'm doing great. Uh, your cat is there with you. I heard it say it. Honestly, it sounded like it just went, Mom. He he makes lots of funny noises. So. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. if keen-eared listeners may hear a cat appearance tonight. I have a feeling it might happen. I, I do too. I hope it doesn't, but... It might. Um, let me ask you, I know you stress and you get anxious and nervous about this question, but how are you and what's new? Do you have anything to say? Uh, not really. Uh, I'm good. Here, I'm, I... I'm going to make it easy on you because I, I often want to hear like what's new and what you're up to and you worry all day about how you're going to handle that question. Uh, let's just talk briefly about a documentary series. I, I had been watching something and I said, Madeline, you should check this out. The, it's called Stolen Youth, and it's on yeah. Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's the story of like this guy who starts a sex cult at a university in the United States. Uh, what are you thinking of this documentary so far? I've been thinking about it all day. I watched two of the three parts last night, and like I just, I can't stop it's encompassed me yeah it's, <laughs> it's it's just so bizarre it is it's basically the story of and people should check this out because it's really good and i i rarely recommend like documentaries and stuff but it's basically um this uh girl who's living uh, with a couple friends uh, off campus at a university in the states her dad ends up living with her and her roommates for a short period of time. And while there, he takes on the role of almost like this sort of like spiritual leader and helping them with self-improvement. And then, and eventually they all end up basically joining him in this cult and for the most part, leaving school and doing whatever he wants. Um, for the benefit of the documentary, this man uh, makes it his habit of like filming and recording everything and so now when you're watching the documentary you're getting like a, a view of it all going down and it is mind-boggling and disturbing like i got angry watching it because mm. this guy is just such a piece of trash yeah that's a good way so. to put it um 
Yeah, I got angry. I got angry many times watching it. And I'm also going to get angry during our discussion tonight. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm excited about this one, but I've been for the last few days, I've been like, oh, man, I cannot wait till Sunday night till Madeline and I can get into digging deeper into the story of Caitlin Braun. Uh, we covered Caitlin last week um, as I, I think we called her the birthing fetishist or the doula duper. Uh, both kind of slogans have been thrown around or, or types of branding have been thrown around. I've heard from a ton of people about that episode. Um, and it's it's actually been quite mind blowing the feedback that we've got. It's it seems like everybody and their dog has had some kind of connection to Caitlin Braun's story, either knew her, went to school with her, were scammed by her or had a friend who were scammed by her. Um, I'm I would say I'm, I'm quite surprised at how far this story reaches and the weird twists that have even come out since last week. Do you want to say anything about kind of the reaction and, you know, your thoughts on last week's episode before we start getting into it? I just, I can't believe how many layers this ended up having and how deep it really goes. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a good lesson on how small the world is. Yes, that's true. You is know? As soon as this episode came out, I began getting emails and messages from people. I think the most um, the most eye-opening one, and this one comes as no surprise, I think, to either of us. We talked about how certainly Caitlin Braun is going to have some history and some people who know her are going to have some stories. Uh, shortly after releasing the episode, I heard from uh, someone who's very close to Caitlin, um, who not a doula or no one who was a victim of her, but someone who's very close that was able to give some incredible insight on Caitlin's life. A lot of it I can't share because of publication bans related to Caitlin's alleged crimes against doulas, but also crimes um, in Caitlin's past that she's accused others of that are subject of publication bans. But to put it bluntly and to give uh, and to keep it short, is people who know her well and are close to her are not at all surprised at at these allegations that Caitlin was lying about pregnancies and was uh, finding doulas to help her and care for her for her fictitious pregnancies. In Caitlin's past, there she is alleged to have lied about medical issues and lied to friends, family, posted stuff on Facebook about said issues was alleged to have uh, lied or fabricated or exaggerated um, allegations of sexual assault against her. Uh, and this just seems to be, I don't know if I would say the next step or like the ramping up of this, because she, you know, if she was looking for sympathy with other, you know, false statements that she made, um, finding doulas, which are a large group of empathetic people who will like drop whatever they're doing to care for you morning noon or night for their clients like it's it's like you you have found if you have a a kink that involves people being compassionate for you doulas are like the target audience for that it seems absolutely and with this doula dupe if you will like you've stated before she she goes into it kind of dominoes into she alleges she has cervical cancer to some of these um doulas mm -hmm. 
And so it it dominoes into into more. Well, there's as you'll hear when we get into some of the the accounts, she'll have it, you know, there's a fictitious pregnancy at the heart of it, but then there are also lies about different like illnesses and stuff that will prevent, you know, them doing pregnancy tests or maybe to avoid going to hospitals. She will be like, I was actually a victim of a sexual assault at a hospital, so I can't like I don't feel comfortable. So, you know, you need to just help me here. But I don't want to give up too much because what we're going to get into uh, to to dig deeper into Caitlin Braun's alleged crimes is I have a collection of accounts of people who alleged to have been duped or conned or scammed by her. We're going to go through them and they are, I can't exaggerate it enough. One in particular is absolutely disturbing. Um, and, and I'm going to present them in an order from kind of like, I guess like first account to pretty much present day. But one other thing I want to present before we start, is I heard from someone who, again, I heard from a lot of people, but I heard from someone who was an attempted victim that was kind enough and generous enough to share with me emails between them and Caitlin in which Caitlin is trying to elicit their services. This person is a doula. So this will give us a sense of how Caitlin was reaching out to these people, and then we can start getting into the witness accounts. So let me just get it in front of me here, and I'm going to read you Caitlin's messages. So this was a message sent in August of 22 from Caitlin to Adula. She says, hi there, my name is Caitlin and I'm desperately seeking a last minute. I'm desperately seeking last minute for Adula, like extremely last minute. I was sexually assaulted last November and became pregnant and am now due this month with a little babe. I did not find out until July that I was pregnant due to a medication I was on that caused my pregnancy tests to be negative. I advocated for an ultrasound and found out I'm expecting with a babe who is in a great position, measuring well, and who according to the OB is very healthy for the fact that I did not have care until eight months. I totally understand that this is too last minute, but I just figured it out because I just figured I'd reach out because worse you can say is no. Thanks for considering my email. So. They respond with, hi, Caitlin, thanks for reaching out and sharing your story. I have a few questions. Where are you scheduled to give birth? How did you hear about me? And what's your approximate, approximate due date? Caitlin says, thanks for reaching out, or thanks for getting back to me. I'm scheduled to give birth at Brantford General. I just looked and realized you serve, Ham serve Hamilton. So I'm sorry if this is out of your area and I've wasted your time. I've looked up doulas and read through profiles and websites and found you. I was really drawn to the way you approach birth. My approximate due date is next Monday, so August 15th. Once again, I know this is last minute, so sorry if I wasted your time. And then it ends, and this is, thankfully, the doula turns her down by saying, it's never a waste of time, but unfortunately, it is out of my service area. There are some really great doulas in your area, though, and some definitely take last minute bookings. If you just Google your area and the word doulas, some of the more popular ones will come up. Wishing you the best journey, and let me know if there's anything else I can do. Thank you for considering me. So that just gives a, a glimpse of how Caitlin would have, have would have been approaching possible victims of her alleged crimes. Is there anything you want to say about the way she wrote that? I just, it's baffling. So it's clear that she didn't want long-term relationships with these women. Mm -hmm. She wasn't seeking like long-term companionship. 
Yeah, meaning like, um, you know, if she approached someone when she was six months pregnant or something, she would get three right. months of care out of them. This is right. Like I've I, I've never had to hire a doula, but I imagine you contact them like immediately upon finding out you're pregnant is what I would do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not Good a base. week before your due date. They're they're not a midwife. They're mm -hmm. they're just like emotionally support you. Mm -hmm. so um, you you want to get to know them. Yeah. Now. We just hear the email exchange where Caitlin's reaching out to a doula, and I, and I can only assume uh, I'll, I'll, there's been a lot of other people who've received emails like this from her or Instagram messages because a lot of the people who've come forward have said uh, they exchanged messages on Instagram or other social media with her. But what ended up happening, and the first clip I'm going to share is interesting because what ended up happening is doulas began to recognize that something was going on and there was someone who was possibly preying on them and they first began warning each other this is before it's in the news and you know and all those sorts of things so i'm going to play a clip of a doula who um is not naming caitlin specifically but is she's kind of describing someone taking advantage of doulas and that ultimately saying we all need to look after each other so listen to this my name is amy I am a doula in London, Ontario. Very recently, um, three weeks ago today, I supported somebody through what I was told was a stillbirth. I had somebody reach out to me saying that they were 24 weeks pregnant and the doctors had found no heartbeat. I supported this person in person as she experienced contractions, providing physical, emotional, and mental support for her. This person was not and has not ever been pregnant or experienced a loss. This person has targeted doulas across Ontario, as well as all across Canada. We are close to probably 50 doulas that are all in communication and aware of this person. If you are a doula and somebody reaches out to you for support, please reach out to any other doula that you know to protect yourself because unfortunately this is where we're at needing to protect ourselves I have never before questioned somebody on the legitimacy of their loss nor do I want to but at the same time, we do need to take precautions now because we are being targeted. So as we hear there in, in, in her video, this is very early on. And what she's talking about is kind of like doulas in the doula community, the doula in community, having some kind of like group where they're all networking and warning each other. 
and she, in this video that I just aired or portions of it, it's the video is actually much longer than that, but it's uh, it was posted on TikTok as a way to warn other doulas. Like, you know, a bunch of us know about this. There's a, you know, a bunch of people have fallen victim to this. If anything weird happens, reach out to us because we don't want other doulas to fall victim. It's, it's you know when, when that was posted? I don't have the exact date at my fingertips, oh. but it was before she was named publicly. Right. Um, so I, I don't know exactly when, but it's uh, but this was an earlier account. But when you're going through people talking and sharing their accounts of their times with Caitlin Braun, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. And in that, it, but there is a lot of commonalities between them. In that one, she talked about, you know, she's warning other doulas, but she said, I was told it was a stillbirth. And uh, I actually actually met with her in person and helped her through contractions. So this is like, it's at the point where they're not just on the phone with her talking about, you know, giving birth and the pregnancy and stuff. They're there and she's pretending to give birth. And we'll get into that further because we're going to hear from one doula who actually recorded it. But before I get into that, I want to get, we'll, we'll get into another account of someone, but I, I'm, I'm impressed that with that clip we just heard, I'm impressed that the doulas having a community where they are rallying and supporting each other and protecting each other. I think a lot of industries and professions, you know, there's these kind of like unofficial networks that will form on like uh, on, you know, Facebook or something of that nature. That's invaluable. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's it's a community, right? There's nothing like a sense of community. So with others that understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that goes for anything. So let's get into the next one. I got the next account is from a doula. And and I've I think we may have even referenced this in our episode last week. This is a doula who met with alleged to have met with Caitlin at an Airbnb that Caitlin had rented. This is a, and we're going to start cranking up the, um, I guess like cringe or awkwardness or just how unimaginable this is. So listen to this. Okay. So this video might be kind of long and all over the place, but this is uh, my experience with this whole doula scam thing that you may have heard of. So basically, this person had reached out to me asking if I would be able to support a stillbirth. She told me that she had become pregnant via SA, if you know what that stands for. So some really heavy things. Um, I obviously was happy to help her. We did have a signed contract together uh, and she had agreed to pay for my services in that contract. We did have a phone consult. I spoke to her. There were some you know, oddities about her, um, but nothing that put up major red flags. Fast forward to Thursday, March 9th, after about a week of talking with her, uh, she took the train from where she was. That's a whole other thing of how that happened. Uh, she ended up being really far away from me and the hospital that her care team was at. So she took the train to somewhere near me. I ended up picking her up from the train station, which is not something I would normally do, but these were kind of unusual circumstances. Um, she was visibly contracting in front of me, looked exactly like what I've seen before. I've been a doula for four years. So nothing out of the ordinary, took her to the hospital. 
um, watched her on the phone with labor and delivery. Uh, she told me that they had basically turned her away. So we proceeded to go to the Airbnb that she had booked. And this is the part that is really scary to think back on. So I was alone with her in that Airbnb um, that no one else knew where I was at. Uh, and I supported her there physically and emotionally through contractions for several hours. I eventually got to go home to get some rest for a few hours until she called me back in the middle of the night to continue to support her, um, which is something that I am used to with my job. Um, but at some point in the middle of the night, I ended up actually falling asleep um, for a couple of hours. And when I woke up, I was surprised because she hadn't needed me in the night. And when I did wake up, things had progressed rapidly with her labor. Um, and so shortly after we made the decision to go back to the hospital where she pretended to go up to labor and delivery um, to be assessed and had basically told me that they had turned her away once again. I was very frustrated for her at that time with the care that she was receiving or should I say wasn't receiving. And at that time, uh, her labor had stalled out again and she decided to that we should go to the mall to walk around since we no longer had the Airbnb. She didn't really have anywhere else to go. Um, so we went there and um, it was during that time at the mall that I came across a video from another doula in a different city talking about this doula scam. And something kind of went off my brain that told me this is not right. This is too similar to what I'm experiencing. Um, so a little while later, I was able to send her into a coffee shop and I stayed behind in my car and was able to get in touch with the doula who posted the video and confirmed that it was the same person, you know, the person that was in the video and the person that I was supporting at that moment and had been for the last almost 24 hours in person. That was a really, really scary realization for me, um, especially having spent the night with her. Um, yeah, and from there I, I got in touch with police basically and things have unfolded from there. She has since been arrested um, and has over 30 charges against her. It's been crazy uh, finding out how many other people, not just doulas, that she has affected and traumatized. I am certainly one of the people that she has traumatized. I don't know what this is gonna look like for my work going forward. Um, all I know is that I feel violated and I felt unsafe for a few days, not really knowing what she was capable of. Oh, there's lots to unpack in that one. For, first of all, I don't know for sure, but I'm suspecting that the doula we just heard from She's with Caitlin helping her and they're at the mall. Caitlin sent, she sends Caitlin in a coffee shop. She ends up finding a video that's warning her. I believe the video she's referencing is the one we listened to earlier. I'm, I'm, suspect I'm suspecting it sounds like, like a match based on her description, but this story with this doula is completely nuts. What, what, what do you think of this? Like that, what she just explained is a scene out of criminal minds. It's like realizing like... the person you're with is capable of doing something like that. I would have mm. bailed right away. In choosing fight or flight, 
I will always choose flight. Heck yeah. And yeah. And to realize like that the person you're with is being uh um suspected of like preying upon doulas in this birthing thing, even just learning that would be shocking if you're with a friend and you find a, or, or like someone you know and you're like oh my god they're doing this crazy thing but if you've spent the night with them at an airbnb helping them give birth going through labor and you're alone with them and you know when she describes that doula had described like the complications with caitlin getting there and getting off the train and all this stuff the next account we're going to hear we're going to learn a little bit about how caitlin seemed to have a hard time getting places and was like she was seems like she was wanting to do this with to people but didn't have a way to like get to them so she always had a story of you know why you know they needed to come to her or get in her get them in her car or get her in their car and such so there's the similarities and commonalities in these stories start to appear but this is just like in that story they're at an airbnb the doula picks her up at the train station. They're at an Airbnb. The time at the Airbnb runs out. So they end up like at a mall walking around, but not at a hospital. It's just a horror show. This thing is like, it's so crazy. I can't use words to explain my shock at this. Well, and when I'm hearing about all of this, like you just said, it's just, it sounds so bizarre. Like they, ha yeah, they have to check out of the Airbnb. So then they go to the mall. And, you know, you hear this and you think what you would do in that situation. But from a lot of these accounts, from what I've heard of, is a lot of these doulas are running on no sleep. Oh, yeah. And so, like, they're they're not even, after a little bit with this Caitlin, they're not even in the right state of mind mm -hmm. anymore. She keeps them so wired and it's almost like brainwashy we talked about the movie earlier about the cult but yeah, yeah it's, you're, you're kind of dragging this doula into like a tense an intense situation and now i know you don't have kids but um i've been through i i didn't do it myself but i've been present during two separate childbirths and that is like and I, I hate to even say this because I'm the guy who didn't have to actually do the delivery, but it was so like, I'm convinced I have PTSD. It was such a, like an intense, horrific experience. And the nurse who was present that actually did the delivery and all this stuff, I see in two separate nurses, cause I have two kids. I see both of them as like absolute superheroes who help my wife get through like just extreme pain that lasted very long and it was this new experience that we we're horrified in and these nurses who did the delivery they just like stepped up and they were like champion cheerleaders who were motivating her and getting her through it when you think of a doula that's what they do all the time like their job is just to help people give birth which is again it's just a awful experience i think it's probably it's beautiful in some ways but it's awful in a lot of ways as well the last doula we heard she ends with casting doubt on if she's even going to continue to do this work because of this what i'm going to just call caitlin a nutcase for taking advantage of the spirit that these doulas have to bring to you know this this kind of moments in someone's life it, i think that's heartbreaking well she is she preyed on the most empathetic community she could have found mm, and yeah so. just just the way she took advantage of them and 
the the depth of her lies that manipulated them into doing things that they normally wouldn't like picking her up or meeting her at a isolated location yeah um it's shocking now i can't see i can only see your shoulders but so i gotta ask are you sitting down i am okay good <laughs> you just look so puzzled like what <laughs> uh i'm glad you're sitting down and anyone I'm anyone, very rarely not sitting down. <laughs> okay. Anyone who's like listening to this that's operating heavy machinery, you may want to save this part to your break. We're going to get into the next account that is by far the most detailed, the most graphic. And we're going to break it down in two parts. So buckle up for this one. So I am a new doula. I had just started my Instagram page. And I got a DM uh, from somebody saying, hey, do you ever serve anybody outside of London? I'm in London, Ontario. So I said, how far away are you? She said she's in Brantford. I looked that up and that is about an hour's drive from my house. So I said, yeah, okay. Because I have in my contract that I will be there within an hour and a half. So I, I kind of thought, you know, that's doable will not be doing that again anyway i was out of town at the time at a family function and so i said well what's your due date it was a saturday she said monday red flag number one she tells me that this pregnancy was the result of sa um and a, like told me a whole big long sob story her mom wasn't supportive she didn't have any uh friends who were supportive uh her sister didn't even know she was pregnant she found out really late that she was pregnant because uh she has pcos and she's on a medication to balance her hormones but it balances all her hormones so that means that pregnancy tests come back negative and uh even if you are pregnant and I kind of was like, well, I have PCOS. What medication was that? Uh, so that was red flag number two. But I did again, I was just really excited to have a client, so I didn't question it. We do a prenatal over the phone. And I go through her birth preferences. She really doesn't want any interventions. And like no Pitocin whatsoever. Absolutely not. Uh, no epidural. No, nothing inside her body. Uh, so... She also tells me, <laughs> red flag number three, she tells me that her sister is getting married on Friday. It's Sunday when I'm talking to her, when she tells me this. Her sister's getting married on Friday. So if we can avoid, you know, being in labor or whatever uh, on Friday, that would be great. And I was like, you can't really control that. Uh, little did I know, yes, she could. And then the next day I slept for like three hours and woke up and I was like, oh my God, I really hope my client doesn't go into labor today because I am exhausted. And then of course I get a text, hey, I think I'm in labor. And I need to say this, I had something in my head that told me she wasn't pregnant and I don't know why. And I don't, I didn't, I didn't understand what it was that made me think she wasn't pregnant. I get to her house and it is not clear whether or not she's pregnant. Uh, 
I don't like not body shaming or anything, but just the way that she was shaped, it was not clear. And I was disappointed because I was really hoping for some concrete proof. So I go inside and we immediately start doing all the things. We start uh, curb walking, we start doing lunges, she's sitting on her birth ball, we're doing all the different positions to help labor progress, but also help her cope with contract. I also at one point sent a voice note to my boss at the doula agency, and I will play that for you now. Warning, it is kind of upsetting. Oh, Madeline, I have to take a break at that point. <laughs> that is nuts, eh? Like the effort and research she would have had to go through to perfect this charade. Yeah, yeah, it's like she's thought of everything to avoid detection. So it's like I, I take the I have this medical condition and take this drug so a pregnancy test won't work and it's a stillbirth so there's no heartbeat in some cases that's what she said anyway. And it was you know, she just has all these reasons. She's always got an answer. Yeah, it it's I wonder if she thought it out or if just after years or months or whatever of doing this if she's kind of just perfected it to the point by trial and error because it's again like i said there's so many accounts like the ones we just heard of people out there who've been duped by her and what we just heard there just by chance that that this doula had a recording of caitlin's contractions and you can hear the doula talking her through it like ride the wave you know all these sorts of things that you will hear during a birth but that it's got that far is just unimaginable. Well, that's what makes it so unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, and there's so many victims that have come forward. I think that's why it's just like, who would do that? And, what are and they more getting? importantly, why? Um, like, yeah, I have some theories and we'll get, we'll get to that at the end. Based on some of the commonalities before the story, or b between the stories, I have a couple things. I'm like, it seems like she enjoys this part. But so the doula we just heard, I took a break after hearing her, uh, Caitlin fake her contractions, but let's hear the rest of this doula's account and this doula will get to the point uh, where she finds out that Caitlin was a fraud. At some point, her mom gets home from work. That was a green flag. That was a pretty big green flag. Her mom didn't say anything to me about it being fake or her daughter having mental health challenges. She did definitely give me the impression that she didn't want me there. Um, she kept asking me if I was gonna go home. Uh, and I was like, well, no. <laughs> um, but like I got the distinct impression she didn't want me there. And now I'm thinking, well, now I know why. At the time, I just thought that she wanted to be the one supporting her daughter through labor. She didn't want me there. Every time her mom walked in the room, contractions would stall. 
again, I just thought that that was the trauma because her mom didn't believe her that she was assaulted. She wasn't supportive. And so she felt really uncomfortable around her mom and contraction stalled. Oh, her water broke. She said that her water broke on Monday at 10. I got there on Monday at 7. She said her water broke at 10. I spent the next two days trying to convince her to go to the hospital. The next red flag is that she did not want to change her shorts after her water broke. And I thought that that was really gross. Now I think that she was just really lazy and thought I was stupid, which I guess I was. So I spent the next two days uh, until Wednesday trying to convince her that she needs to go to the hospital. Now she kept, she kept going into the next room. She had her bathroom kind of ensuite and she kept going into her bathroom and calling the hospital and she would fake these conversations and it would sound legit to me and she would come back and say the hospital said I could stay home and I was like that's not no they didn't like what I thought that she was lying because she had hospital trauma so I kept trying to convince her to go to the hospital so when her mom was like, so you're going home? You're going to go home now? Are you, is it false labor? Are you going to go home? I was like, no, it can't be false labor. Her water broke. Seven o'clock on Wednesday rolls around and I take another break. And at that point, I was really frustrated with the hospital. How can you be telling this person to stay home for this long after their water broke? So I called the hospital and I say, I'm a new doula. I have this client. Her water broke on Monday. It's Wednesday at this point. And they were like, oh my gosh, she needs to come in. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. But she's been calling you guys and you're and saying that you guys tell her to stay home. And she was like, the nurse was like, I don't know who would say that, but she needs to come in if her water broke on Monday. So I get back to her place after my break. And she immediately, it's like she meets me at the door and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, what do you mean what's wrong? And she was like, something's wrong. What do you, you know? like she saw it on my face or something and she said like tell me what's wrong and I was like let me come in we'll talk about it like I'm not gonna force you to do anything don't worry about it and she says you want me to go to the hospital and I said I think you need to go to the hospital I did not tell her that I called because I thought that she would find that triggering or upsetting so I go into her house she goes into her bedroom lays down on her bed and starts sobbing and she says through her sobs, I'm so sorry. I should have told you this earlier. I don't know why I didn't, uh, but I really just thought that you were going to be mad at me and I should have told you this before. I'm so, so sorry. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, you're going to tell me you're not pregnant. And I'm just waiting for this bomb to drop. But she doesn't. She says, my assault happened outside of the hospital. And so going there is really triggering. And again, she's doing this through sobs. No tears, though. So she says her assault happens outside of Brantford General Hospital. And so I said, could we go to a different hospital? And she stopped, like, immediate. And she looked at me and goes, I'll consider it. So I look up hospitals nearby. Uh, Cambridge Hospital is the next closest. It's a half an hour away. And I was like, that's not that terrible. However, she does not have a way to get to Cambridge Hospital because I am not supposed to drive her. 
and her mom is not supposed to drive her car, and obviously she's in labor. She can't drive herself. We sit in her house for another, like, few hours while she's gearing up to go to the hospital, like, trying to get ready. But she's just, like, sitting there. She's not actually, like, actively doing anything. She's just literally, like, waiting for me to give up. And then I got pushy. I was like, you need to go to the hospital. I'm going to the hospital. You're coming with me. Let's go get out the door. There's no other choice. I guess I have to drive you in my car. We get in the car and she starts flipping out, just sobbing, freaking out, screaming and yelling that she doesn't want to go. Leave me at home. I don't want to go to the hospital. You can just leave me. You can forget I even exist. Anyway, so we're in my car and she's flipping out. And I, so I pull over into a parking lot and I say, I get out and I say, I'm just going to call my husband. I call my husband and he's frustrated at this point. I have a daughter. She was four at the time. And I've been away for three bedtimes and three wake ups. And I am her preferred parent. So that was really hard on her. We start driving again. Again, she's faking contractions this entire time. I'm driving, so I'm not timing them anymore, but like they still seemed pretty regular. We get to the hospital, I park, and she won't get out of my car. But again, she's not doing anything. She's not like psyching herself up. She's not doing anything. I was like, okay, do you want to listen to some birth affirmations? Do you want to like do something? Do something! Until finally I was like, okay, you're getting out of my car and you're going inside the hospital, or I am getting someone to come out with a wheelchair and wheel you in. That made her mad. So we finally get inside the hospital and she says that she has to use the bathroom or something. And then she's like, I just, I don't want them to check me. I don't want them to do any VAG exams. Like, I don't want them to touch me. They can't touch me. You can't let them touch me. Again, really playing up the trauma card. And then she says to me, oh, I just remembered. I have an appointment with my nurse practitioner tomorrow. She says, I am comfortable with my nurse practitioner. She's checked me before. She's done pap smears on me. Um, can I just please go and talk to her and have her check if my water broke? It's tomorrow. And I said, okay, let's go outside and talk. I call my mentor. I call my boss. And, uh, well, I call my mentor and she's trying to convince Caitlin to stay at the hospital and get checked. And... So now we're thinking, okay, maybe it wasn't your water. Maybe it's not stupid to wait until tomorrow. I call my boss to be like, am I being really dumb right now? And she says, no, you're not being reckless. You're not being stupid. Like, this is her choice. So I take her home. And uh, I leave her there. And she texts me the next day saying her water didn't break. Which I guess was true. Her water didn't break. <laughs> And I said, okay, I guess it was false labor, prodromal labor, or or whatever. It like it wasn't the real thing. So keep in touch this week. Um, hopefully you can still go to your sister's wedding on Friday. Oh, also, at one point she got a text from her sister saying, Hey, can you run the photo booth at my wedding on Friday? And I was like, sure can't. And then she replied, sure can, in front of me. And I was like, Caitlin. Like, you're currently in labor. You are not making it to your sister's wedding. Uh, but obviously, she knew different. And I stupidly told her that I would come back when she was in real labor. 
So then she texts me on Saturday and she says that she's having contractions and she's getting really triggered by them and she's having a really hard time. And so I'm talking to her on the phone. I'm sending her voice notes of like birth affirmations because uh, she really liked them. She had been listening to birth affirmations quite a lot when we were together. And eventually she asked me to come and join her again. I don't know what time that was, but it was late evening, like probably 10 o'clock or so. I had told her before Saturday that the next time I was with her, I would be meeting her at the hospital. And I said, is that okay with you? And she said, yes. So I genuinely do not understand why she called me the second time. What was she trying to get out of it? I was only going to the hospital with her. What was she trying to do? I don't know. So she gets in the car. We drive to Cambridge Hospital. I park. We get inside. This is the most insane part of the story to me. But they put the monitor, the fetal heart rate monitor on her, and they found a heart rate. How? I don't know. Anyway, so we're sitting there for a while. The OB comes and talks to her, and then she has to go for a surgery, so we have to wait a little while longer. The OB comes back and says, you had imaging done in Hamilton three weeks ago. Do you remember that? And she was like, uh, not really. That's weird. So the OB gets her to sign a paper that she uh, could get those records. The OB comes back with a bedside ultrasound. Does an ultrasound. She, she's, as she's like leaning Caitlin's, um, as she's leaning the bed back to get a better position to do the ultrasound, Caitlin goes, I'm really nervous. And I was like, what are you nervous about, boo? Uh, then she does an ultrasound. There's no baby. She's supposed to be 41 weeks at this point. There's no baby. The OB tells her, Caitlin, there's no pregnancy. The only thing in your uterus is an IUD. So after I found out that she wasn't pregnant, I was thinking maybe this was a hysterical pregnancy. Maybe she believed that she was pregnant. And now this is devastating for her to find out that she wasn't. The hospital offered to have social work or psychiatry come and talk to her and she declined and we just left and I had to pay for parking. And when I got home, I remembered that she had told me that one of the reasons she was looking for a doula outside of her area is because the doulas in her area had been shit talking her and like disclosing her SA and, uh, and just like spreading lies about her and everything. And so I get home and I'm like, Hmm, maybe just maybe they weren't shit talking her. Maybe somebody knew that she wasn't pregnant and was warning other people. So I went on Instagram and I searched and it just so happened that the first doula that I found on Instagram, uh, was the one that she, that was supposedly shit talking her. So I messaged her and I'm like, Hey, do you know this person, Caitlin Braun? And she was like, we need to talk on the phone. And so we talked on the phone. She was really wary, uh, about messaging me cause she thought that I was Caitlin cause I had such a new profile and Totally fair, but as soon as she said, can we talk on the phone, I was like, here's my number, please call me right now, I need to talk about this. Found out that she had done something similar to this other doula and her own best friend back in June. Happened to me in August, 
she had done it in June to her best friend. Only that time she was faking a stillbirth. She's a piece of shit. <laughs> this um this doula that we just heard from is and, and I apologize for playing a clip that long, but I think it's what I did was I played excerpts of like a 45 minute series of videos that she posted to TikTok. But I think hearing that much of it's important because it tells the story so clearly. But the first thing we need to get into is that was this doula's first experience, like her first job. She had just set up an Instagram account for like, I don't know, like her business or whatever. This is the first client. She takes it. And this is the mess she gets into where it's just one thing after another through that story. That poor girl. And that was another reason that she probably went so far. Like she said, she was just happy to have a client. Like, oh, oh, that's yeah, that's that poor girl. I don't know what um, what part of the story is the most shocking. But for me, the whole like bedside ultrasound and finding out like, you know, there is no baby in you. There's the birth control. IUD. <laughs> yeah. There's something in you to make you not get pregnant, but there's no baby. Uh, and then this whole thing, like you had imaging done at another hospital, like just, you know, with a different doula, assumedly. So just very recently. Um, and then again, I don't know if the doula we just heard from is referencing the same video, but she goes online and she finds message uh, videos of people warning about this. So were it not for people coming together and sharing their stories, she could have got away with this much, even longer, I'm sure. Absolutely. Had this happened 30 years ago, the Whisper Network would have done its work, but she would have gotten away with it for far longer. What about this aspect of the story? Caitlin's mom at least has some knowledge of what's happening. Yeah. What do you make it? In one story we heard she's at an Airbnb separate from the mom. The mom, of, assumedly so, is not at the Airbnb. But in this story, they are, um, they're at Caitlin's place and her mom comes home in the middle of it while the doula is there treating her daughter. And she's like, are you just, yeah, you're going to leave? Like that, that's the way the doula recounted it. But what is the mother thinking of this? Well, and so at first I, you know, maybe, I don't know. Do you think she believes Caitlin's pregnant or if your daughter, if your, if your daughter is claims she's pregnant and is giving birth, I don't think you're going to have this passive, like, I assume everything's all right in the other room. Do not assume anything about this family. That's they a good prove point. us wrong time and time again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't imagine the mother being like, eh, well, hopefully the doula will leave soon so I can, I don't know, have the place to myself and my daughter who's giving birth in the other room. But like a bigger part of me feels like she knows this isn't real at all, but she somehow plays along. She's telling this doula like, oh, so it's just false labor, right? Yeah, it's not, yeah I guess she just, like, just leave. Kibosh this like months ago. Uh, I would love... And, and again, this is going to end up in court or is on its way to court or in court now. But I wonder if the mom is going to have to give the story. Like what what else did she see? Why didn't she stop it? She'd have to. She's probably one of the only witnesses outside of the doulas. Mm -hmm. um, so it's oh, hard yeah, to say. There's just, yeah, there's, there's so much to this. The stories are similar enough. There's th that... 
you can kind of see the process she's using to avoid having it stop, um, having it stopped and not be able to, you know, fake giving birth and stuff. But when I try to think of what her motivation is, there's, you know, maybe there's, there could be a sexual thing happening where you have someone, you know, rubbing your back and talking nice and helping you and, you know, giving you all their attention. So it, it could be some of that that's, that's at play but then there's also this like the way in the even in the email we read where she's writing to do doula trying to t take her on she's saying things like i don't know like she's referring to the baby as babe and it's this kind of like cutesy thing it and was, so, yeah so i wonder that was if so weird it is weird and so i wonder if there's this kind of thing at play where she has like I don't know, like a fantasy about like having this baby and this is just like a part of it. And she's, she needs someone to play along and, you know, tricking a doula will convince someone to play along with you. I don't know. I think she is very sick and she didn't stick with the same story. Mm -hmm. but she, I, em she embellished a bunch of stories, like a stillbirth. And then, you know, one, they were, it was just a normal pregnancy. Yeah. And... I think the embellishment though, is the story changing to carry it on longer. Like a stillbirth would, would, um, explain there not being like, I don't know, like a heartbeat or something. So I was thinking maybe if she used stillbirth to avoid that, like I was yeah, one idea. I don't know. Adding the sexual assault to the story for one, it. I'm thinking that makes it even more delicate and would it would have the the person treating her being even more sensitive and empathetic and compassionate but it also gives her she we heard in the last story it gave her the ability to avoid going to the hospital where she she wasn't comfortable with people touching her and doing stuff to her and stuff um so it, it could serve her in a multitude of ways i just think if you told me that this happened and in this detail, I'd be like, there's no way something like that happens. But here we are. Well, and yeah, and you hear about it from our perspective, and you can't think of how anyone could ever buy that, but it happened. Yeah. Well, the the prior video, the extended one we just heard that we broke into two parts, she's kind of highlighting the red flags and the green flags. And that was interesting to hear because she kind of had like things came up that in hindsight you're like oh that was weird but at the time i could see why you would just kind of move past it especially if this is her first time doing this so she wouldn't have had a lot of experience so it's that would kind of make sense a bit but and you could never she never imagined anyone doing this no why like no one could no. it's so far-fetched um well i think where we're at now uh, Caitlin is still being held in custody at the time of this recording, which is March 26th. But that the, a publication ban in this case, as well as some of the prior cases that Caitlin's involved in, will likely prevent this story from coming out in full until the time that the hearings are done. But there was a, a, a quick thing in the news on Friday from, uh, I think the prosecution had, gave some info, info in an interview where they said they've received um i think they gave a number for how many people have reached out to them after the charges were announced and 
basically a, we'll say a mountain of people have come forward to get involved so if at this point there's 30 some odd charges that could very easily rise if you know if these people have evidence and it seems like be it instagram messages or an email history evidence should be pretty easy i expect it to rise the victim count and the charges well let's move away from this rather uh unsettling uh unsettling story Hello, listeners. Sorry to pull you to the episode like this, but with spring just around the corner, I thought it would be a great time to remind you about the Nighttime Podcast's merchandise store, which has an assortment of t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and a bunch of other stuff. There are many different designs available based on Nighttime Podcast episodes and series, and everything comes in a variety of fits and colors. You can visit the store by clicking the link at nighttimepodcast.com. Oh, and I'm forgetting the reason I'm even reminding you about this. The manufacturers of Nighttime's Apparel have offered Nighttime Podcast listeners 30% off between the dates of March 31st and April 2nd. To get the 30% off, you just have to use coupon code NIGHT when you're in the checkout. So again, visit the Nighttime Podcast store, which is found at nighttimepodcast.com, between March 31st and April 2nd, and use coupon code NIGHT for 30% off. Now let's get back to the episode. I want to play uh, this. This is a, a listener voicemail that came through that is going to give us up an update on a past case. So here's the, the voicemail they sent. Hey, Jordan. Just an update on the Edmonton police situation. They have announced today that ballistics have come back and they are sure that the 16-year-old also shot the pizza guy. Uh, he's in stable but serious condition, as is the mother, who is not speaking at this point. Apparently they're communicating through paper. So, more to follow. So that obviously is a an update to the story we covered last year about the 16-year-old who killed himself, killed two police officers and shot his mom uh, in Edmonton. There was a discussion about a nearby shooting at a pizza hut. Someone walked in and was seen just pulling out a gun and shooting the person behind the counter. And it was thought by a lot of people that the child, uh, the 16 year old who killed himself and the two cops was the person responsible for that shooting. This listener says there's an update and they have connected them. So I just did a bit of quick Googling and I have the following news clip to share that gives us a bit more information. It's been one week since Constables Brett Ryan and Travis Jordan were shot and killed while responding to a family violence call. The past week has been unbelievably painful for the Ryan and Jordan families, our police service and all of our, all of our members. On Thursday, police say an autopsy confirmed the 16-year-old shooter died of a single self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. There were no other shots fired by anyone else during this event. Police also now connecting this shooting with another violent one days earlier. Officers say a bullet casing recovered from the March 12th shooting at a Pizza Hut to go has been forensically matched to the firearm recovered from the Baywood apartment complex where the Edmonton police officers were fatally shot March 16th. Police believe the same 16-year-old is responsible but are still investigating. His motivation still unclear. I can tell you there's other exhibit items such as 
um, our shooter's phone and a computer that we're actively searching and trying to get into. Detectives are also working to trace the origins of the gun and how the suspect got it. Police say there's no information to suggest the gun was in the home when the call to police was made. At this point, officers are still not releasing the shooter's name, saying premature release of information can complicate their efforts. Working backwards, uh, whoever he got that gun from probably faces some criminal jeopardy and we're working backwards to try and figure out what that looks like. So there's other investigations that could become compromised. Officers also shedding some light on the suspect's interactions with police months earlier. This youth was apprehended under the Mental Health Act by our officers uh, and that was after consultation with our PACT or police and crisis teams. The youth was then transported to the hospital for assessment. The man shot at the Pizza Hut is still in hospital in critical but stable condition and the teen's mother, who was shot while in a struggle with her son, is also stable and expected to recover. No surprise there. That's what I expected. I'm, I'm, I, Same. The only surprise I have is that they, it took them like a week or two to figure that out. <laughs> right. I, I would imagine that would have come out a lot sooner, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's uh, hopefully we'll learn more about what happened there. But again, we talked about the publication man with Caitlin Braun. In this case, we have a 16 year old, which complicates uh, the sharing of information with uh, with the public. But there's a story there. But anyway, we've been through a lot tonight, Madeleine. Um, I don't know how yeah. to end a, a conversation that surrounds some of the bizarre stuff we did tonight. I'm going to go lay down. That's and that's all I've got. I, I need to I lay down. <laughs> I wouldn't want to because I would fast. I would picture like <laughs> someone what talked about. helping you up. give birth. <laughs> I want to stand up. <laughs> um, I hate to laugh at it, but man, but you know what? The the last doula we heard from, she had a great sense of humor. She was like, oh, she was great. She was cracking up. She's an amazing storyteller. She needs a podcast. Totally. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> Uh, into like there's this whole thing with gallows humor to be able to laugh at this horrible situation but it seems like she was able to oh well good for her if you can sometimes the only thing keeping us from crying is laughing so mm. you got to do what you got to do i think that's a nice way to end this <laughs> uh next week i already know what we're doing next week i'll tell you i've been getting flooded with calls and e or from l emails and voice memos from listeners who are providing stories of their encounters with creeps in response to our most recent episode or the episode we did two weeks ago. So this Perfect. coming week, the next one is definitely going to be part three of encounters with Canadian creeps. And I will tell you that we did get one about a female creep and it's uh, very cringe inducing. Oh, I can't wait. Girls are the worst, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that, not me. <laughs> All right. Well, Madeleine, thanks for uh, again going down this uh, dark road with me. It's been uh, something else, that's for sure. <laughs> I want to thank you for joining Madeleine Klein and I on this episode of the Nighttime Podcast. I'm going to start to wrap up this episode, but before I do, let me give some thanks. First, a huge and sincere thanks to everyone who took their time to contact me and share their experiences with Caitlin Braun. Your stories have given me tremendous insight into this case. Then, of course, a thank you to Madeleine Klein for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big thanks to Monty Data, who contributes to the music for this series, and a shout out to LJ from the Dystopian Simulation podcast, who provides my intro and outro voiceovers. 
But lastly, and most importantly, a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. And on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers of the premium feed. Rachel, Maggie, and Naomi. Your premium feed subscription is what makes this show possible. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can do so in a variety of ways. First of all, as I just mentioned, a premium feed subscription costs only a couple dollars a month and funds the creation of the show while giving you access to an ad-free two-day early release and access to a full back catalog of episodes. And if you can't go premium, you can help the show by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If anyone listening has any story ideas, wants to give feedback on the show, or contribute a voice memo to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.